You are listening to the 2023 Death by DVD Halloween Special Movie Marathon Madness. <laughs> This is the Death by DVD 2023 Halloween Special. I am Harry Scott Sullivan, and with me, he's not eaten a green vegetable since November 11th, 1991. It's I, Alexander Nash. That's a goddamn lie, and you know it. No broccoli, no peas, no Brussels sprouts, no lettuce. You've been broccoli-free since 93. I've made you a cheesecake. A cheesecake. That doesn't have vegetables in it. That's cheese. That's not the point. (laughs) I I care so much about a relationship. I made you a fucking cheesecake. And it was delicious cheesecake. Yeah, for the audience's sake, this is a true story. Nash did make me a cheesecake once. It was really good. But it is the weirdest retort to being accused of not eating any vegetables in three decades. I made a cheesecake. What do you want? What I'm saying is, you're going to try to call me out on... Some kind of vegetable malarkey after I did something so nice for you? I I just was beginning our special Halloween episode with a fun fact so the audience could get to know you more, that you don't eat vegetables at all. I should have gone with the, it's I, Alexander Nash. He surprisingly has good hygiene, despite his appearance. Or he makes delicious cheesecake. You could have started on a fucking positive note. Yeah. The next episode, I'll do the cheesecake intro. Thank you. We're, we're obviously getting the audience ready for the Halloween spirit with this intro, because this is the Halloween show. That's it. That was the show. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you guys liked it. It was a little little thing we've been working on back and forth about cheesecake. We'll be back in November. That that's all. That was it. We're, it it's just like a Abbott Costello routine about cheesecake and vegetables. Who's on last? But it is the Halloween special, and we did not watch what... 20 different bad slasher films and not one of them was worth a shit. We didn't do that this year. Yeah, we also didn't do every Children of the Corn movie. We didn't do monsters Oof. throughout the ages. This year's Halloween special is called the We're Running Out of Time in the Month and Need a Halloween Special Special. This is a good it's a good idea. I like this idea. It's it's just a fun thing and I I do it in my personal life for people. In the nude. Yeah, this uh, has changed several times from, from I think we started in August coming up with Halloween ideas, and the idea has changed up until the very last minute. So at this rate, we've got something kind of fun, kind of interesting. I, Alexander Nash, has a list of movies, and I have to come up with the movie that will pair with it for your ultimate double feature. So he'll get one, and then I have to actually think briefly, and I hope it doesn't hurt, and give you an excellent movie to follow his. Oh, it's not double features. It's an entire Halloween film marathon list. 24 hours of movies. The do-it-yourself death by DVD marathon. Yeah, I'm the one that's going to have to do some thinking here to make sure that the movie is complementary to the movie that came beforehand because when you're doing a double feature, it's not just picking two movies, and especially if you're doing a 24-hour marathon, the movies need to have some sort of flow between them, and they need to work almost operatically, so there's a fucking crescendo, and you've not just sent through 
awful, awful, awful schlock for the sake of schlock because nobody wants to do that. No matter how much you like a certain genre, 24-hour shot-on-video marathon, you're going to get kind of tired of the exact same thing after a while. You need to have... You've got to get worn out. Yeah, you got to have a, a, a recipe for what you're doing. I've got just like a, a basic list of a few movies to do like a... like Because I have done this for people who just like, oh, we want scary movies to watch for Halloween. So I make a like a mixtape, an organized list that will take you from, you know, highs to lows and like balance it out to where you don't get too worn out and you can still be interested and entertained. And the way we're doing it tonight is nobody knows what the other person's going to say. So if it comes up with some like weird Fritch extremism film, I can't like the next movie on my list can't be something like Hocus Pocus because that is way too hard of a turn off of like, you know, a, a martyrs type situation. You can't go from martyrs to hocus pocus. You're going to have to like, like ease out of martyrs and then into some lighter fare. You don't want to keep it too dark either. You don't want to like do French extremism for three movies in a row. It's going to kill off the vibe of the audience. It's like a draft. It's almost like a, you know, an NFL draft. We're just going to like try to hit back and forth and do like the ultimate horror marathon uh, mixtape. Yeah, you get a trick and a treat, so it should work out for everybody. You ready to get this thing started? Oh, well, you, you, are you ready for the first film? Is that what you're saying? It's, I think, time for the first film in our 24-hour marathon. All right, so say you're probably, if you're going to start this marathon, you're going all night. You probably want to start at like 10-something in the morning. Because it's going to be a long-ass day, first of all. And second, you kind of also want to start it a little bit more upbeat. You don't want to watch something like super dark, at like especially in the, the mid-morning and also this early into a, a horror marathon. So I chose as my first pick The Midnight Hour from 1984 or five i can't remember it was a tv movie on the abc network um it's got like sheriff sherry belafonte lavar burton adele louise i'm I'm, I'm selling this man deloise a deloise not dom either dick van patten there's a van patten in the movie dick van patten uh but it's like it's a tv movie but it has a probably one of the best like graveyard resurrection scenes, kind of like um, th- similar to Michael Jackson's Thriller. It's uh, but it's very effective. This movie freaked me the fuck out when I was a kid, but when I saw it, but I was only like six when I saw it. So, but it's you know it's dark without being overly dark. I mean, a kid can watch it, and you also if you're gonna have kids around, same way you uh, lay out a marathon, you just kind of want to. Keep it light and breezy at the beginning, then send the kids to bed and start with the harder stuff. And I think Midnight Hour is a, a perfect film. It's It was fairly lost for a bunch of years, and then it finally came out on DVD, but I think that even that went out of print pretty long time ago. But it's available on YouTube. I always watch it every Halloween. Uh, it's just full of that fall Halloween vibe. Um, costume parties, zombies, uh, Adele Louise. It's a... 
it's a fun ride. I don't think you've ever seen Midnight Hour, have you? I don't think I have either. That's what I'm racking my brain right now. Is it's here. got the Smiths. Uh, How soon is now song in the movie and it's used effectively for a made for TV movie. That's fairly impressive. I'm trying to try. Uh, that's the, the challenge while you're talking. I'm racking my brain of like, well, let's find something suitable because this is sort of family friendly fun for everybody. Uh, yeah, don't uh, mm. like a don't overthink it. But B, you just like um, you can like go to a PG-13 because I've already got a movie like that I would plan if I was just doing six in a row. I've got one in that slot right now of what could effectively follow the midnight hour. I'm going to go with a, with a questionable movie that admittedly is a little boring. I give it three stars, but Sasquatch, the legend of Bigfoot from 1976. It's like a combination of a travel log and an anthology film that all the while isn't really making up anything about Bigfoot. All the scenes that are kind of the anthology based ones are from actual reports historically about Bigfoot sightings. And you're following this group of scientists that are going to the most uh, vast remote part of the Washington state wilderness. Uh, They believe there's this valley, a valley of the Bigfoots, if you will. And they travel through this terrible terrain while telling stories. And it ends with a pretty great uh, multiple Bigfoot scene. I don't want to give too much away, but you you do have a very friendly nature to the movie. I don't believe there's even any cursing at all. There's a couple scenes of fright and fear, but none of particular violence. There is gun usage, and a lot of parents don't like showing their kids stuff with guns, but aside from that, it's... This kind of sounds like Boggy Creek, dude. Like the original Boggy Creek. Yeah, it's it's, it's Boggy Creek has is, is got that whole documentary feel the entire time as where this one has the framing of these guys are going into the wilderness and then they retell the Bigfoot stories. So it also would pair great with Boggy Creek. Uh, it's more traditional in the Bigfoot sense of just really great shots of the wilderness and it really does run and feel like a travel log. There, there's just massive shots of Washington State, and it's uh, late 70s, 76, 75 or so, so not the greatest footage, but it's, I don't know, I enjoy it. I have a lot of fun with it, and it's kind of a harmless film. That's what's kind of really fun about it, is you can show it to just about anybody from Bigfoot enthusiasts to kids. I think it's more appropriate for children because you can kind of stir that childlike all sense of fear of, you know, Bigfoot's really out there. He's real, which I like to believe he is. Well, we've already gotten to the point. I've already hit my first pivot. I've got to change what I had planned second already. Um, Or actually, in this case, third. Because, I mean, like, that's an interesting pick. But um, it doesn't sound like the most, like, kind of upbeat movie. Like, not, like, in a, like, a negative way. But it just doesn't seem like it's, you know, like, energy driven. It seems like it's a little bit more thoughtful and a little bit more, um, because I don't think I've seen it actually. Yeah, we both we managed to stump each other right off the bat with you haven't seen oh, it I and I haven't seen it. I got my pivot ready. Insert a friend sound clip from the pivot episode here. <laughs> here we go. Pivot. 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 Shut up. Shut up. Monster Squad. Oh, that's a great film. That's a classic. From 87. 
Yeah, but that really kind of changes things up because you've got the first movie, which is subtle. You got a little bit of a boring, family-friendly Bigfoot movie, but now you've got something that still is suitable for the kids, and everybody else has a little bit of fun with it too. And awesome monsters. That's the greatest thing about the Monster Squad is the design of those monsters. It's so much fun. Yeah, well, it's just it's it's taking it in a more upbeat direction, like I was saying, just like pushing it forward because that's a, the the last one's a little bit more reserved. And Monster Squad's like that crowd favorite that's going to keep people's energy up and really get them going and ready for the next movie. And like for me, I was obsessed with this movie. I was god ten years old when it came out, so it it's always meant a lot to me. And it's not you know particularly themed around Halloween or anything, but with all the classic non-copyright infringing universal monsters that are in it and um, the the like the teen vibe of it, especially when you're around that same age. It's like a perfect, especially, well, I mean, in the 80s, I don't know about modern kids, but in 80s, they, those were exactly kids like us. And Rudy's the coolest motherfucker on earth. I always thought Rudy was the shit. Um, just like wearing the leather jacket, smoking the cigarettes as like a, 13 year old and just being like you know sly as shit so monster squad i think is like that's a crowd pumper i i could even throw that at the very end of a like all night marathon too just to like really send the uh the crowd out happy and like like felt like they spent a really good time um watching a marathon yeah it is it's it's got to be a fan favorite for i think just about Everyone, I think every horror kid has a soft spot for it. I've never personally encountered anyone that was like, fuck that movie. The Monster Squad, the Wolfman has nards, fuck him. Uh, I've never come across that before in my my mini travels. Everybody loves Monster Squad. Yeah, it's just and it's it doesn't it also really matter when you show it. I, it could be like you said, it's not specifically a Halloween movie. It's great to watch in July. It's a it's a fucking Christmas movie if you want it to be because it really brings out the monster kid in you. It makes you think to those homemade costumes your mom used to make and things like that and Don Post masks. It really gives you this wonderful feeling of nostalgia in a positive way, though. You know, so many people, we just did a flashback episode about Halloween uh, ends. So many people will say, those fucking movie, they, they remade it or they made a sequel and it's ruined my childhood or something like that. And if anything, Monster Squad kind of brings you back positively to your childhood and a a wonderful feeling, and even if it's like July in the hottest month of the fucking year, you can still almost feel that crisp autumn autumnal feeling. Busting out the the, the big words here. Yes, autumnal. Autumnal, yeah, that's a big one. Now, with that said, with like kind of such a uh, positive, somewhat upbeat film, plus Rudy's the shit. What would you play after the Monster Squad? Because you're talking to you're like you're past noon now. You're probably in the, like mid afternoon, like one o'clock or something in the afternoon. This isn't the the most friendly or child safe film, but it brings out in me a, a nostalgia and an old feeling very similar to Monster Squad, and that is Night of the Creeps. Oh, Fred Decker back into like right back into it. Yeah, doubling it up. I mean, I I love 
this movie it it to me is a a, a timeless classic i i love every single part of the cast i love the soundtrack and it's just a quintessential movie that it it almost feels like it wasn't made in the 80s it feels like it it was a a, a period piece you know 2000s movies made in the 80s or something that it's just that fucking 80s it's so on the nose of this is what's popular this these colors this neon this type of music how people talk how people act and i also really really love I don't care what you want to call it. Um, some people call it a romance, but the the two lead characters, I, I love them together, and I don't care what other subtext there is. Their relationship is amazing, and I, I love the friendship and the feelings that they have for each other. And uh, Tom fucking Atkins. That's, that's just great. He has some of his most uh, quintessential one-liners in this movie. Your dates are here. And they're dead. He's great. This is, to me, everyone really loves Halloween 3, and there's no fault in that. But when I think, when you say Tom Atkins, I think of this movie, uh, sitting on the beach with the, the, the coconut drink and the white fucking tuxedo. Tom Atkins. That's what comes to mind. And Night of the Creeps, uh, again, it's another movie perfect for a mixed gathering. If you're not going to have like a lot of horror files just all around you, and you've got some... You know, it's people who are not used to watching horror films. Um, but you've hit the gore a little bit earlier yeah, in the marathon I than thinking. I would have. But but it's not objectionable gore, I guess, is like where uh, what I was getting ready to say is where it's like it's still very um, comic booky um, to where it's not like offensive or anything particular. It's still like you're keeping it on that light note with the it being a horror comedy. While pushing into a darker direction. It's got a Gremlins-like feeling to it, but amped up a little bit. But you still get those adorable eraser pink goo aliens and their little butts at the beginning of the movie. So it's there's, there's a lot of cute factor for it. But that was my thought with picking this one so early, is that... We are we are in the afternoon, theoretically, and where we're at with this marathon. And this is more of like an 8 or 9 o'clock movie. You really want to get people going with this and raring and, and, and firing it up after a boring movie. But it's too late. It's the third one. I've already picked it. Oh, it's fun. It, it's, uh, it's not going to ruin anything. It just, again, makes me have to pivot some. Um, but it's... Since it isn't on that dark side and there is some, like, you know, a certain amount of um, humor to it, you can really go, like, mid-afternoon with that and it not be too much of a problem. I, however, am going to bring the mood down, and I'm going to go with Chud 2, Bud the Chud. That's right. We're putting on the big guns. Not even going with Chud. Chud 2 is a Halloween movie. So we're keeping that fall vibe, autonomous vibe, if you will. So you don't feel that you're going to have to sit down and explain all the things that happened in Chud to the audience for Chud 2? Because there's just so many questions. Chud 2 is trash, yeah, really and everybody is. knows it's trash. Um, but it's an a dumbass horror comedy. And at that point in the, the marathon, <coughs> you have some people who probably aren't going to stick around for the entire time. And this is a good weeding out movie. <laughs> Just like, all right, well, you guys have fun because Chud 2 is full of bad, bad, bad comedy. And like, it's not a movie I particularly like at all. It's always a movie I always thought was kind of terrible, but it does have, you know, Halloween in it, which does help. That's funny. You're you keeping bring that, that up. Halloween aesthetic. 
That's my. That was my first thought when you picked it. Of like, you know, I, I got nothing bad to say about this movie, but I just don't like Bud to or Chud too. Bud to Chud that much. It uh, never did anything for me, and it's fine. It's just dumb. It's really, really fucking. Garrett Graham's great in it. He's oh, doing he's like a good silent performance. I love Garrett Graham in every film he's ever made. I don't care what it is. The Used Car Movie is one of the greatest fucking comedies. He's he's so great. Such a great body comic. But, you know, the thing with Chud is despite it kind of being a, a silly idea, cannibal human, cannibal humanistic underground dwellers, everything is so serious in the movie. Every performance is really fucking solid, and the movie has a pretty somber, serious tone to it. And it's got really great pacing. It's a longer film. I mean, it feels like when I when the last time I watched it, I admittedly think was on the last drive-in, so it was like fucking <laughs> four-hour long version of this movie because of Joe Bob pausing every few minutes. But it, it transitions so weirdly in the second movie where it's like I don't feel like I should laugh at the comedy in the movie because the first one's serious. The rumor was it's a Return of the Living Dead sequel. They just retooled. It's not. Um, it, it has some, like, characteristics with the military and the gas and all that, but uh, it was always a chud to from the beginning, but I just don't think anybody involved had any interest in making a horror film. They're just like, eh, horror comedy, we can do something with that. But, like, even the makeup is, like, under-designed. Like, it's a monster movie, and they don't really look... They got some fucking sharp teeth and some, like, cork black under their eyes. So it's just... It's not very impressive on, like, a technical level, on a writing level, on a directing level, but it does take place at Halloween. Now, I'll keep saying that, goddammit, because that justifies the pick. It throws it right in there, and it's also a nice little monkey wrench for your fucking ass, because Chud 2 is hard to follow, because you've really, like, cleared that room out with Chud 2. You gotta bring them back. How are you gonna bring these people back oh, from man. the abyss? I'm thinking Neon Maniacs. Oh, goddamn, yes. <laughs> I think that's how you'd bring people back because you're you're following, and then we, we had that double Fred Decker thing. We already got the monsters out, but by this point in time, we're underwhelmed by the chuds. We're not having a lot of fun with that, so we go right back into Monsterland with some of the most bizarre, senseless, psychotronic shit I've ever seen. I don't care what this movie's about. I have never once understood what this movie's about, but there are weird fucking scenes of monster brilliance throughout the entire It's time. about budgetary problems is yeah. what it's about. That's really the... Uh, there's your explanation what the plot is. Budgetary problems or lack thereof of any budget, but you do get some really sweet monsters on screen. Some of the maniacs are really, really cool. I've always been partial to the samurai one myself, and it's just a batshit explosion of a movie. You don't even really need to follow along. You're going to get introduced to so much weird, wacky visuals that that, that carries you through. So yeah, Neon Maniacs, I think that's my that's, that's some sticking that one in there. You just have fun with it. It doesn't matter what the movie is particularly about at this point because the visuals on screen are just so gnarly and so weird at least you'll be able everyone that's caught a buzz at this point and you can really start bringing out things like the 420 friendly stuff like this is a movie to eat some edibles before you watch this is a movie to make sure you're you're smoking guy this is a mushroom movie might be a little intimidating on a, a, a heroic dose of magic mushrooms but a gram neon maniacs is gonna be a good time <laughs> Neon Maniacs on that eight of mushrooms, yo. Um, yeah, I love Neon Maniacs. It's a nonsense film, but it's like it's a crowd pleaser, especially. I mean, you have another. You have a costume party at the end of the school dance, and you have all that sweet 
80s riffs. I actually do like the stupid band, The Outlaws and Neon Maniacs. I, I, like It's a great Rick Springfield cover band. And it just lightens my mood every time I watch it. I just like I love the advertising for it. I love the all the different ridiculous monsters who are obviously different actors at different times and always just trying to figure out what the hell's going on in this film. And I think it really does bring like a crowd back because it's really going to pump them up. It's really going to uplift them. And now I have to try to take that and peek off that because you don't want to bring them down too much. So I'm going to bring in another Halloween-centric um, film, which is Trick or Treat. Not Trick or Treat. Not Trick or Treats. No, Sam. You're not going to hear me talk about that movie at all tonight. It's uh, the 1986 Sammy Kerr, Back from the Dead. Classic. Great, the, great uh, movie. Th- the heavy metal like film that has almost nothing to do with Halloween except another Halloween dance. But goddamn, I watch it every Halloween. Skippy. Yep. Yeah. Um, the Ragman just giving like, I mean, it's not so much as a great performance because it just feels like he's kind of being himself, but it just brings in that great hair metal vibe. Um, all the 1980s satanic panic stuff, um, proving all the, uh, the uh, the naysayers and church people absolutely correct that they're just you know back masking on records and demon worship and all this other shit. And again, I really do like the uh, the Fast Away soundtrack in this one. I don't, not available on Blu-ray in America. I think it's coming out from Synapse finally though. Thank fucking God, um, because the band Fast Away would never like release the uh, soundtrack for the film, which is kind of important is like, cause it's the entire soundtrack um, for the movie to be released because they wanted way too much money, but I guess they finally reached a deal. So there will be a digitally remastered version of trick or treat uh, finally available. And not that $5 Walmart DVD with Ozzy and Gene Simmons on the cover. God, that thing's <laughs> atrocious, but I wore my I love, copy. Out. I love that poster though. Because it just makes the movie sound so enticing. It's got Ozzy Osbourne and Gene Simmons in it. The demon and the son of Satan himself, the Prince of Darkness. It's so amazing. And both of them are in the movie for for less than a minute. Gene Simmons has one scene where he's a DJ called Nuke. And Ozzy plays a uh, TV preacher in two scenes that barely equal a minute and a half. Yeah, and you can tell this is right when Gene Simmons probably first began experiencing some male patter baldness that he claims he doesn't have, even though he shaves his head and wears a wig. It's on his TV show. You can see it. It's fine. Just admit it. Just tell people you wear a wig, and then other people experiencing that same problem will feel better about it and go, Gene Simmons wears a wig. Bald in the seventies. Yeah, <laughs> um, he went bald when he was like nineteen fucking years the old. Entire history of Kiss, he's never had hair. Yeah, he he wears that cowboy hat. He looks so goofy, but it is a quality film. And just like you said, I I it's every year you gotta watch it. It's just a classic. It's it's one of those things too. When we first started Death by DVD, these were the type of movies that we were covering on the first two three seasons out of just sheer excitement because we had found 
someone you and I to talk to about these fucking movies after all these years of oh my god oh, you've god, seen this I movie? Talked to years ago people watch Neon Maniacs and everybody was just like meh meh I'm like it's fucking crazy it's great watch this shit it's weird as fuck I think though I've got a follow up that in this case these these are a double feature but the movies also have pretty similar stories and plots between each other I'm going to go with 1988's Black Roses. Oh, God. Yeah, it's a rock and roll horror movie, and it's got fucking Carmine Apice in it. It also has Julie Adams in it. Um, Not the, the, the greatest, foremost heavy metal horror movie, because this one's kind of focusing more on, even though it's 88 and we're pushing out of it, the satanic panic. And you've got this teacher who is going to save everyone from the evil rock band and for all of that said it's still just maximum it's like an extra extra cheesy pizza it's not so much schlock as it's just downright misdirected uh cheese but it's pretty fun i was gonna say rock and roll nightmare but i went with black roses just because it's got kind of a nice crossover from trick or treat yeah and that crossover's Really nicely. I mean, those two movies paired together make a interesting double feature in themselves. But Black Roses also like puts me up against a wall because now I have to like kind of bring it out of the metal. So I, I guess I'm gonna have to go with that pick. I'm gonna go with another 1980s horror film. But at this point, we're late into the night, so it's time to bring on the actual like you know the violence, the nudity, and the gore. So I'm going with Death Spa. Goddamn Death Spa. Death which, Spa, wow. That's hard to follow. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a not a great film. Um, the acting is fucking terrible. Uh, the story is dumb as shit. But it does build. It's a, like, it takes a while to get there, but, you know, the violence starts. And it has a couple of violent things happen. A couple of, like, weird, mysterious, you know, acts of violence. But then it just starts getting more and more brutal. And by the time here at the uh, the end of the film, and it has a costume party at the end of the film, so it fits into that Halloween vibe. It's just like the Halloween party turns into just a goddamn massacre, and it's just like full-on, like, 1980s gore. I mean, you, like, there were two versions. There's the R-rated and the unrated version. But I can't even imagine what the R-rated version of it's like because this film is in like insanely violent. And it does have that certain layer of 80s cheese to it. Uh, to, so you don't have to take anything too seriously, especially late at night. You don't have to pay attention to it. And it's definitely like a bit of a moron movie. You can just kind of like watch it and let it wash over you, especially if you're at this late at night. You don't want anything too like complicated. Um, speaking of the last drive in you brought up a little bit earlier, um, they played, I think, Deep Red second one night. And Deep Red, like Profondo Rosa, Argento's film, is not something you really want to play, like, start at 1230. Yeah, that's a And, like, sit there and try to pay attention to. Like, it's just, it's a little too much. At that point in the night, you want, like, you want some crazy shit. You want USA up all night. You want to just, like, have fun. And, because you're fucking zooted at this point. And you just need something to just kind of, like, happen in the background while you're, like, moderately paying attention. And Despa... You'll never lose your place because it goes goddamn nowhere and the ending is dumb as shit. I think I got another one. Following up, Death Spa also has death in the title. The movie you don't have to think about whatsoever. Death Row Game Show, 1987. Ooh, Mark Pirro. 
Yeah, you've got uh, a Valerie Solanist-style feminist and a, a, a mafia hitman. I think he's a mafia hitman, and they have to compete in a death row game show. It's a show for convicts, and if you win, you don't die. And that's pretty much the movie. It's it's not as exciting as The Running Man, but of course it doesn't have Ventura or Schwarzenegger in it. It's got John McCafferty, who's all right. It's not bad. It's not the best <laughs> follow-up. The second you said Death Spa, I'm like, well, Death Row Game Show, they got it's death the in the Beaver title. The Beaver Brown Band? It's, it's the hard part is it's not like I dislike the movie, but certainly in the idea of there's a party, it's more than just you watching this. In this mythical world that we're, we're hosting this, you've got company. You know, you've, you've got certain foods that you can do with uh, certain films. You can try and get people interactive with things. But that's kind of... Death Spa and Death Death Row Game Show are both unique in the sense that they're kind of bad movies. They're not like, oh, I can't watch them bad movies. But you don't have to pay attention to them. You can just look up and see somebody get violently executed and everyone just goes back to what they were doing. Because that's really the antithesis of having a party and a group of people is at least with the TV on. You can gather them around, and then you can start chiming in and letting them know all the facts and trivia you know about this movie that you learned from Death by DVD. It was directed by Mark Pirro, also director of A Polish Vampire in Burbank, which is, in its own right, a terrible, terrible film. But I enjoy it. Uh, Shot on Super 8. Anyway, okay. Well, you like throwing those walls up. You like blocking me out. Where do I go from Death Row Game Show? Hmm. I want to try to bring it back to kind of a Halloween thing. And Death Row Game Show, I mean, it's it's mostly a comedy. So let's take it back to being something serious. So it's something a little bit, um, let's say the darker side, but a little bit more on the um, more serious side. I'm going to go with The Lady in White from, God, was it 88, 87, somewhere in there. I'm pretty sure I've seen it, but now I have to see the poster of the Lucas movie. Lucas Haas. Um, it's oh, a very yeah. much like a memoir film about the 1950s in, God, I think it's Baltimore. It's a really, really good movie, though. Now, I'm, I'm looking, uh, oh, man. Um, Frank Lalogia, La Lalogia, La La, yeah. Yeah, the guy who directed Fear No Evil, which is yeah. a weird movie in its own right. I just saw this, honestly, for maybe the first time last year or maybe even earlier this year, and I, I do need to see it again, but it, it's a terrific movie. From I think it's like a, a PG-13 film, too. It's not yeah. It's, it's not particularly dark, but it deals with a very like, lot of dark issues, such as like child murder and abuse, and like, but it's, it's a serious film, but again, takes place at Halloween. And it, it doesn't get gory. There's a, some ghost elements. There's some pretty dubious matte special effects in it but you know it's a it's a product of its time so you can't get too mad at it but it's just it's so much of that like that vibe um and it's narrated almost like it's based on a book um by the the lead character uh lucas haas's character all grown up so it makes it feel um, kind of spielbergian in a way but also um uh, almost like a god a version of a uh, Christmas story or you know it's it's along those lines and it's just a really well-made film that's kind of gotten forgotten over the years because it just it doesn't have that hardcore edge that a lot of horror fans are looking for it's a little bit more sentimental um film but so much of it like just it 
brings that feeling back of being like a scared kid. And that's what's kind of really amazing about it. And um, as you were saying earlier about like the Ben Cooper mask, like that's a, a huge element in the film. Um, and just all the weird things your family does and all the like just it really is a well crafted like um, I don't even know what you call it coastal ghost story because um, I, I think it's Baltimore. I cannot exactly remember, maybe. Rochester, New York native, based the film on a popular, long-standing local urban legend of the white lady. So, yeah, I guess Rochester. Jeez. <laughs> well, I was completely fucking wrong about Baltimore. It's Rochester, New York. The C is important to the film, okay? That's why it matters, because uh, it has a lot to do with the ocean. It's involved, all right? But The Lady Why I think, is a perfect Halloween film. You can even, like, switch the order of this one up and take it back to you know, play it somewhere around the midnight hour, something along those lines, because, I mean, it's okay for kids, but, Christ, I don't know if a kid could sit through it at this point in history, because it is, like, very much a story-driven film. It is not based around gags or thrills. It's very much about just getting involved in a dramatic story. Well, initially, when we planned this episode, we, we had a, a certain amount of movies, and the idea was a 24-hour marathon. But as we's, we've breezed through things... We've compiled a, a pretty great list in general, so we're going to keep going. And my answer to The Lady in White is we haven't, for one, had any foreign films. And I'm doing a foreign film that was shot in the United States so <laughs> with completely English-speaking cast, and it's an English movie. But we're going to up it a little bit because we have, we've had some schlock, we've had some cheese, we've had some really good campy movies, but now we need... We're, we're late at night. We really got to have some fun. So the whole basis of this movie is the director was apparently at a screening for another film and overheard some people explaining what happened in Poltergeist. They never bothered to watch the movie. They just took the overhearing from these people and they went home and they made Ghost House, 1988, <laughs> Umberto Lindsay. Just briefly overheard okay. the idea and the story of Poltergeist and was like, you know what? I got a fucking idea. I'm going to make <laughs> the house, the light bulbs, they're made out of squishy shit. Fuck it. Who cares? What Don't does this go movie about? from a, a sentimental film about childhood into Umberto Lindsay Gorschlock? It does have a child in it. We do it's have a crowd a... pleaser, though. <laughs> I got to give it that. It is a crowd pleaser. You got an hour and like 48 minutes with a really thought provoking and thoughtful film that also is pretty well made, uh, well acted, and all around enjoyable. So that's got everyone thinking. That's got everyone uh, commiserating. You don't want the audience to get sad. You don't want the people to think too much, especially if they've been drinking, because that's the worst thing is a bunch of sad fucking drunks at your Halloween party. So you got to go right back to that excitement. Things like Neon Maniacs that's just a, a mile a minute uh, or a laugh a minute, weird, psychotic bullshit, weird, psychotic imagery, psychotronic imagery that is shown to you on screen. This movie, yeah, I guess you could call it psychotronic, but it, it ultimately is a bastardization off Poltergeist, and you know what? I kind of enjoy it a little bit more than Poltergeist. Maybe because I've seen that movie so many times, but... Um, I don't know, it's just the same story over and over and over again, and uh, personally, I get depressed whenever I watch the Poltergeist movies, because I just feel bad about um, 90% of the cast dying. <laughs> it was pretty awful. It's depressing itself. Ghost House don't know shit about the entire cast. Greg Rhodes is in it, that's all I know, <laughs> and somebody named Robert Champagne, which is a great name. Robert Champagne. 
I like it. Well, since you've gone in in this direction, we're going to keep it to crowd pleasers, and I'm going to go to something that's not particularly Halloween film, but it definitely is a crowd pleaser. And we're going to go with Extro from 1981, 82. Jesus Christ, Extro. Watch the stars. Fucking batshit insane movie that is. Just like, there's no plot. I, I... Kid's dad gets taken to space and he comes back and he starts sucking on his neck and eating his snake eggs. There's a life-size G.I. Joe murder in an old lady. There's all kinds of alien crap. There's a clown with a killer yo-yo. There's a panther. There's just all kinds of just nonsense. There's There's the backwards legs alien, which is creepy as shit. There's just so many, like, images in this film. Like, the plot doesn't make a lick of goddamn sense but it does not matter because you'll just get off to all the crazy weird shit it's one of those movies where you're just like i fucking did not eat acid i remember not eating that acid and you just question it the entire time do do it am i thinking now did i trick myself into remembering i didn't eat that acid that it's that kind of movie it's just like it's gonna like flip your shit which, if that has never happened to you, you need to go out and do more in the world. If you you need to be and do watching movies that make you question if you have taken acid or not. Uh, I I love extra, and I'll be honest, this is an unpopular opinion. I love the whole series. They are all oh, bad. that is an unpopular opinion. It is. Extra two is very bad. Extra three, it's even worse. But I enjoy watching them all. But if you get this idea in your head that you can watch them all and it's going to be like the same feeling all night, no, they drastically change. They're all very very different. I don't even think Extra three should be an extra movie. I don't know why it's called Extra three. It's like that. Uh, one of the zombie sequels, Killing Birds. That had, fuck off with that. It, I actually like that movie, and it's it's a terrible, terrible movie. And I admittedly love absolute garbage. I I enjoy Killing Birds, but it's the least fucking zombie of all the zombie sequels, and that says something because there's so many of them, and most of them are very, very bad. What's even canonical in the zombie series at this point? There's like six zombie fives. Yeah, I mean, I tried last year to do the entire demon series until I finally got to Black Demons, and that one ended it for me. Like, whoa, oh, you shouldn't, wow, what a bad title for this movie. I didn't think it was going to be like that on the nose. You know why we call it Black Demons? Because it's voodoo slave. Well, all right, you lost me there. You fucking, that's a bit, <laughs> nope, all right, oof. Another Lindsay film. Yeah, Umberto Lindsay though was was uh, it, well, he's drastically overlooked in the pantheon of horror directors. I mean, you know, you're full. He made so much weird shit. Like yeah, really he made did. cannibal movies. He made weird zombie shit. He made all kinds of stuff. I mean, everybody kind of knows Lucio Fulci and Dario Argento's name, but Umberto Lindsay is somebody to go back through and watch uh, and and enjoy it's like a, a i used this term earlier but he's like an extra cheese pizza version of lucio fulci it's just schlocky it's and he's schlocky fulci himself made some really cheap terrible movies and unfortunately my follow-up film isn't a fulci movie what we gotta send the people home happy you gotta keep this in Uh-oh. mind oh, man. send them home happy don't send them home with like because then I'm just going to have to say, well, you fuckers are locked in here, and you're going to have to watch at least two more movies. Yeah, it's a movie that would make me happy. Now I have to rethink of it. Oh, man, I don't... Oh, just say it. Just say it. And if I have to torture them, I have to torture them with more shit. Well, you keep talking about Maryland. It, helped, it made me think of 
My second favorite, well, I don't say that. My my favorite person from Maryland besides myself is John Waters, but this is by a underground hero, maybe not so much underground, but a regional hero, a shot on video king talking oh about Oh my god, you're not going to send the people home happy. I'm not. I'm sending them home with Night Beast by Don Dolan. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first God thing that popped up. You said extra, and I'm like, oh, the answer to extra is always Night Beast. There's always room for Don Doler. <laughs> and man, this is a rough one because it's fucking regional. I, this is this one shot on video, or did he manage to actually shoot no, it's this film? Okay, yeah, this it's is definitely 35. film, and it has that bastard Drago in it. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, Drago, always one up me. And it's a remake of a previous Don Doler film. <laughs> it's a remake. Okay. Let's just get one thing straight. There was The Alien Factor. That was his first film. And literally every film after that, well, it's this a is remake. a remake yeah, of that. And he just used the same footage repetitively. No difference. No nothing. It's, it's funny coming off of Umberto Lindsay because Don Doler... If he had been from any other country, he would have made like 700 movies. If Don Doler was born in Italy, we would be talking and regaling the the thousand awful movies that he got to make. But unfortunately, the poor prick was from Polymer, Maryland, and, and he shot movies in his backyard with nearly no money, no professional actors. But I and, and it's I was not a fan of Don Doler until we started Death by DVD going back in time. It was the first season maybe the second season 2009 2010 you picked uh we're gonna do a don doler special and uh i, I believe he might have been just kind of recently recent ish deceased he at was, the time i think he was getting ready to pass maybe or he just had passed yeah I, I think we had planned it and he ended up passing and uh I, I don't remember the exact details but it was one of those situations where i didn't put any thought into it and i just wanted to see as many of this guy's movies to do an episode about it and I fell in love just right off the bat. I, I, I love the work of Don Doler despite the massive incompetency in all of it. And, I mean, you're looking at movies like you hear Ed Wood constantly referred to as he's the worst director of all time. But in today's standards, his movies aren't that fucking bad. But then came along Don Doler who just <laughs> didn't know shit about fuck but still wanted to make a movie. And, and bless his soul, that's exactly what he did. But Night Beast is... You're going to hope at this point that the people are loaded. You're going to hope that they're high over they're, drunk. It's well into the next morning. Okay, God. So at this point, it's 5.30 a.m. and everyone's watching Night Beast. I've made a oh, terrible... Oh, it's probably closer to like 9 or 10. A terrible mistake on my end picking this movie. You've been going 24 <laughs> hours. And guess what? You're not leaving the theater. We can't leave you with Night Beast. Oh, do you know yeah. who did the music? Oh, um, uh, I do. Damn it. Um, No, I don't. I forgot. It's J.J. Abrams. I knew it. God damn it. I was going to say Zac Efron. Fucking weird. I don't know why. I was like, it's Zac Efron. I'm like, no, no, it's not. I don't know why you can. And for some reason, when I'm thinking of J.J. Abrams, I just I don't I've never seen a picture of him. And I just assume he looks like Zac Efron. I don't know why. But the two <laughs> are crossed. I don't know if Zac Efron's even been in the J.J. Abrams movie. Fuck it. I don't no. think he has. I don't think he has. Well, they're the same guy. I am trying to fulfill my role. To like really send these people home with a fucking banger. Well, you know what's Just funny? Just they'll tell their friends about. Is we've kind of created in a duality two lists because now we have this perfect marathon on your you end. You can pick either one. Yeah, and then they have mine, and they can both run. Now you got three days, four days worth of movie marathon. All right, 
here I'm pulling out the big guns. Uh-oh. The cannon, my friend. The large fucking regional film cannon. Deadly Spawn. Oh, that's a good one. That is a crowd pleaser. I thought you were gonna say Attack of the Beast Creatures, and was like, "Well, we're losing oh, them." Fuck no! You can't, you can't do Beast Creatures at this point. We're, we're too past that point. <laughs> no, Deadly Spawn is one of the best backyard movies ever made. Great uh, poster has... too. I, I will never ever forget seeing that poster at every video store and just thinking, "Man, that's fucking cool looking. That's a great poster." Well, it's just such a like, it's a timeless like kids monster movie, but still violent. Still has brief nudity in it. Like, it still goes for that, like, those rated R thrills. But it essentially is just a kid's monster movie of a giant mouth creature, like, trying to munch his way through this kid's house. And he's the only, this horror-obsessed kid is the only one who can stop this monster from, like, spreading. And it is, like, handmade, homemade goodness. Like, yeah, it's got some, like, some dubious miniature work um, here and there. But it's all so good fucking charming it's just one of the most charming horror films ever made um where it's just yeah you can laugh at it but you're also gonna like be cheering it at the same time it's not one you're so bad it's good i mean you can come at it from that direction but after watching this movie once or twice it's not so bad it's good it's just good it's just what what like the essentials that made horror films. It's basically almost like a 1950s horror film, but done in 1980s and startling color. So it's just, it's like, I don't know. I just find it to be an amazing like film. And I wish people who are like, you know, independent horror filmmakers, like would take lessons from this, and do things similar to this. Stop trying to be so edgy and dark and just have fun with the genre. It really reminds me uh, a, a good contemporary for this film that was a, a very big budget movie would be the 80s remake of Invaders from Mars. It really has a nice – that's not my pick, but it's just a nice contrast to this film because it really does, as we were even talking about with the Fred Decker movies, it's got this just nice feeling of even if it wasn't your childhood, the era, you just have this vibe of – it's. I, I want to say wholesomeness. It's not a wholesome movie, but the, the oh, but it is very wholesome yeah. to like to a, like a horror kid. It's most wholesome. Well, this is a hard one to to really follow up with. But you said the word backyard movie, and to me, there there are a handful of greatest of all time backyard movies. You could, to an extent, even consider like Night of the Living Dead a backyard movie. But what comes to mind always for me is Sam Raimi and company's Evil Dead. And for this, I pick Evil Dead 2. Because we have the establishment of the backyard movie. We know who they are. Just like Don Doler, Sam came forward and just remade his first movie again. But And I'm a, I love Evil Dead most, more than anything. When, when it comes to the series, that's my favorite one. I love that movie. But admittedly, Evil Dead 2 has something for absolutely everyone. It's Bat shit, it's over the top, and it's one of the few movies that admittedly, you can say all you want to, I could watch a movie back and back and back and back, it doesn't matter, I, I can see it a thousand times, but you really can see Evil Dead 2 a thousand times. Because go and sit and watch Casino twice in a row, watch Goodfellas twice in a row, it's fucking mundane, it's boring, it's depressing, Evil Dead 2, I'm just as excited when the credits begin, I'm fucking for it, every single time. And you've got the idea of this, like, dusk till dawn till dawn again till dusk again marathon that that we have theoretically hosted 
you want everyone to go home having a good time. Bruce Campbell, baby, Sam Raimi, and you've got Ted Raimi as the fake shimps. I love Ted Raimi. I loved, I, I met him once. He was very, very rude to me, and I still love him, but it's not his fault. He was hungover. Admittedly. <laughs> he was, we were in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. He didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be there. It's fine. We're all pissed off at each other. Boy, I'm so proud of you. You sent these people home so happy. It was it was the hardest thought, and my first one was, well, let's do Evil Dead. But you know what? That I don't think is going to send. It would send me home happy. But this is about the idea, the masses. This is about about the compliments of making a, a marathon or even a double feature. It's much more than just slapping two movies together. You really have to transcend the expectations of people because if you can even tell a longer story than the movie just from the emotion of all of these movies together that's fucking film magic and you don't always need something over the top you know you don't need uh, gratuitous violence and the same old same old gets so boring gratuitous violence is great and Evil Dead 2 has it but throughout the entire marathon we've had highs and lows and ups and downs nothing's been too over the top. It's not like we asked Mix Company to sit down and watch August Underground's Mortem with us, you know, <laughs> which there, there was potential. <laughs> yeah, you don't want something like that. And even some of the more you mentioned at the beginning, like uh, French Hardcore. I like Martyrs, man. That's a cool movie. I really think it's interesting and it's thought provoking. But I don't know about showing a crowd of 10 people that have been drinking and smoking pot in your house a film, especially films that have religious overtones because that's an argument you always want to avoid politics and religions when you got a bunch of fucking drunks in your house if, if it's somebody else's house fuck it bring it up hey what do you guys think about israel and palestine but at your house fucking keep it to yourself you don't want somebody accidentally pissing in your fish tank or something yeah i mean you don't that's the thing about when you're doing like a, a marathon for a mixed company and especially just wanting to keep the mood somewhat elevated because if you start putting things that are like too extreme or too challenging, you're just going to like drag people down. Like you're just going to lose people. You need to keep them engaged and keep the flow. Like our flow wasn't a hundred percent perfect, but it wasn't bad at all. It's still a pretty nice flow. It's still like it, it never kills off the crowd. I think re uh, reassessing this, our first two movies are probably the slowest, but they are the, the, the safest, and it's something that, I mean, God, if you're, if you're going to start this at 10 in the morning, theoretically, I don't want to pay attention to anything. Give me a fucking Bigfoot movie. That's fine. <laughs> That's, I don't have to pay attention to it. I can just look up when somebody screams because you're presuming Bigfoot has entered the chat, and that's why people are screaming. And there's just so much mixed genre. I mean, not just these days in general, but... If you're going to go into something like found footage, that sets a mood, that sets a precedent, so you're going to want to top each found footage movie, and I'll be honest with you, there's like 20,000 found footage films in existence, and maybe nine of them are good. Maybe. <laughs> and yeah, three of I them mean, were made yeah. by Fred Vogel, and fucking, uh, I cannot think of who did the Blair Witch, I was going to say Rancho Deluxe, but that's a movie with Jimmy Buffett. Rancho and Deluxe. And you could also, like, Eduardo Sanchez. Like... There you go. Twist this into something that's a little bit more at your speed and just like, if you like something a little bit more extreme, you can keep it dark. But like I mean, at least my group of friends is not going to sit down and watch Necromantic and Salo and all this other shit. Like it's just not good for a crowd. It's really going to bone. Like, cause, like, well, it's just something like, like 
those are singles. Those are one-offs or double feature. You don't throw like a lot of that extreme shit when you're trying to marathon because it's just it's a mood killer. And just for the audience out there programming their own marathons and taking this to heart, don't put stop putting Salo on horror movie lists. It's not a horror movie. Stop doing that. Stop showing it to your horror friends. If you're gonna show somebody Salo, then you need an incredibly politically charged movie to show after. You know, <laughs> that movie's completely about fascism and the pain of fascism, and there's some really fucked up stuff in it, but it's not a horror movie. Stop calling Salo horror, people. It's 2023. There's other Pasolini films, too, that are greater than Salo. That's a double feature. You could do uh, The Devils and Salo back-to-back. Have fun. I would do The Devils first. No, no, I would do no <laughs> Salo first, then the Devils, because you got to come down off Salo, and somehow uh, the Devils is a much more comforting movie. It seems nicer. <laughs> it seems... I don't know if you're coming down from the Devils at all. You're gonna have to like, you might have to watch four movies just to like cleanse your palate. Yeah, and then you could follow that up with uh, the Brisson version of The Trials of Joan of Arc. Well, it's not like a remake of the other version from the 20s. Brisson just did a, a much more calculating. Uh, lack of emotion, and I think personally better version of the trials of Joan of Arc, strictly using the actual trial logs, because this was a real person. So you want to talk about a fucking horror movie, go find this Robert Brisson film about a 14-year-old French girl getting burned to death. <laughs> that's some fucked up stuff if you really want to get into it. The trials of Joan of Arc, that's where we're at on this show. You can pair it with Terrifier 2. <laughs> Well, I think we have come to the end of our From Dusk Till Dawn to Dusk Again to maybe one more Dawn movie marathon. Do it yourself. All, thankfully, all the movies that we've discussed, I think, are pretty widely available. I don't think we nailed any Lost Gems. I mean, even Night Beast, I don't think you can get the fancy slipcover version for, but I'm pretty sure it's still available at Vinegar Syndrome, which is amazing. I That was a blissful moment for me when they put that film out that... I'm going to have it in the greatest, highest quality definition with more than likely a Hysteria Continues podcast <laughs> episode attached to it. And well, it's I mean, great. like, look, most copies of Night Beast over the years have just been terrible. So to have it like remastered is kind of a big deal to have it actually watchable and not look like total shit. And it's a remarkable copy. You can you can really see all the fishing line and <laughs> all the super cheap effects that were put into things. And sometimes it's nice with the super cheesy movies. But I think this is bringing us to the end of Halloween 2023. You've also celebrated the return of Death by DVD. We're back with new episodes. And next month, the horror continues as we begin an all-new series Death by DVD does The Masters of Horror Season 1, all 13 episodes. Except we'll probably put one or two of them on Patreon. Which reminds me to tell you, did you know that you could support Death by DVD for as low as $4 a month and unlock exclusive video and audio episodes that are available absolutely nowhere else and it helps the future and let you know there will be a future for death by dvd www.patreon.com slash death by dvd or you can just go to our website deathbydvd.com and hit the patreon button thank you for supporting us even by listening and choosing death and we both hope you've had a great happy halloween and if you do this marathon let us know even if you just do Nash's or you just do mine, let us know. Tell us how it flowed. Did it work for you? God, that'd be the coolest fucking thing if somebody actually did it. If <laughs> Oh, man, that'd be awesome. Will Please. there be a prize? 
Yeah, maybe we'll do uh, coming up soon a giveaway. That's that's not a terrible idea, but it might just be a Patreon exclusive giveaway. So again, that's even more reason to support your favorite horror movie podcast. Uh, I, I think we've already said thank you, so it's time to say the ashtray is full and the bottle is empty. Happy Halloween. Spooky music outro. Spooky, scary skeletons. You know, I've been writing a new version of the Monster Mash called The Monster's Ass. And it's essentially about the monster's ass. The monster's ass. It was a big green ass. The monster ass. It was filled with gas. The monster's ass. You found your calling. Oh, shit. We're still recording. The audience is getting the monster's ass. That's for sure. That's a Halloween treat. DVD is recorded in front of a dead studio audience. Portions of today's programming have been mechanically reproduced. The management and the staff wish you a pleasant good night and good morning. Thank you for choosing death. Happy Halloween.